I'm Katie Bennett-Stenton, a dual Australian US citizen and the national marketing lead for energy resources and industrials with Deloitte in Australia. I'm fortunate to be spending two exciting months based in the US while I put my kids into school and finalise their US citizenship. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to spend time with a number of global experts, thinkers and leaders. I'm currently immersing myself in a different culture within a much larger team and I'm excited about the insights and learnings. Throughout this time, I'm speaking to different leaders and sharing thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways. Today, I'm in the world's energy capital and speaking with Andrew Slaughter who is the executive director of the Deloitte Centre for Energy Solutions. Uh, first met Andrew about three years ago in Australia and really looking forward to continuing the conversation today. Andrew welcome. Thank you Katie it's a great pleasure to talk to you today. It'd be really great if you could just tell uh, listeners a little bit about your background Andrew please. Yes, well, I'm originally British, as you might tell from my accent, although I've been in U.S. for uh, knocking on 20 years now. Um, really, I've spent half my career in uh, Europe and, uh, or based in Europe and half my career in the United States. But all of that time I've been in energy, um, up and down the oil and gas value chain, and then switching around between um, uh, big corporate organizations and consulting and advisory firms. Again, about a 50-50 split between the two. Thanks, Andrew. So with that in mind, I'm interested to understand how your life and career have improved as a result of being better connected with people across the globe. You know, I've always had uh, an international component to my career. Um, although I started in the UK, uh, Quite early in the career, I moved my base to continental Europe, to Paris, and took up um, you know, a consulting job, which took me right across Western Europe, into the Middle East, uh, across a lot of French and Portuguese-speaking African countries, a little bit into, into Asia. Um, and then since I moved to the US, you know, I've, I've covered North America pretty extensively. So I've always had an international component and, um, you know, it's great because you see, uh, you know, people are pretty much the same the whole world over. We're all driven by the same uh, wants, desires, needs and drivers. Really what's different is the, the context, you know, strong institutions, um, you know, frameworks in which people operate, which work better in some places than others. But it's just great to meet people and, uh, you know, share experiences. And we have a lot more in common than we have uh, that separates us where, where, in whichever part of the world you're talking about. So you said you, s you focused a bit on French and Portuguese speaking. Do you speak some other languages? Um, um, my uh, educational background, I studied French and Spanish. Um, and so then moving along, I was able to pick up Portuguese and um, Italian, essentially, yeah. in particularly in when I was working a lot across Europe and then in Africa. Um, you know, one of my early assignments was in Angola, and um, I got to do a series of training, executive training courses there, and that was kind of my Spanish uh, <laughs> mutated into Portuguese <laughs> over the course of these uh, of, of these training courses that I was delivering. So you know, I can get by. Yes. <laughs> Mutated, gee, I'd say, I'd say evolved. I'm, I'm incredibly um, impressed by anybody who can speak a few languages. I'm not particularly good at them. 
Yes, I mean you 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 pick it up. It's um, it's really not book learning. You pick it up by being in a context. Um, as I said, I moved to to Paris as well fairly early in my career, so that I had a good basic grounding, obviously, but that made French very very comfortable. I've also lived a short while in Spain and 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 speak it quite well. Are there many countries that you haven't been to? Oh yes, uh, <laughs> loads. I mean, probably I've been to less than 50 countries around the world. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty respectable. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, you you go where you need to go. It's uh it's, I don't mind uh I don't mind packing up my suitcase. Well, I, I I used not to mind packing up my suitcase and traveling. It does change when you've got kids and yes, um it does. And um, I think that was when I really, that was at one stage when I left the consulting business and moved into more of a corporate world just because I wanted less travel at that sure. point. Yeah. 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 There's something to be said for actually being around with the children. Right. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, Andrew, you packed up your suitcase at least once to, to come visit us in Australia. Tell yeah. me, is there one thing in particular or perhaps more than one that you don't particularly understand about Australia or Australians, apart from our um, dodgy cricket playing of late? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, sport is huge in Australia. It's probably bigger in Australia than any other place I've been. And yeah. so not knowing something is more a function of me not making the effort than it being hard to understand but I guess Aussie rules is the one that's uh, <laughs> hardest to get your arms around it looks like a, a huge field with a bunch of people doing anything they want but yeah. uh, I, I, uh, I've never taken the time to really get to understand that. Have you been to a match there? No I've seen some on TV. Okay, I was chatting to a, a friend um, a couple of nights ago about some of the differences between Australian and and US or American football, and I was interested to learn that um, that there are very specific specialisations with with American football players. You know, they tend to play one or two positions, which is a little bit less the case in in Australia. Um, but I. One of the other big differences, I think, is you know, is that the the Americans pad up quite heavily. My my seven year old son has been quite stunned to see how um, how safe they are by by comparison to to the lunatics that that we have, who right. you know, tough, rough and tumble, and and don't wear any protective gear at all. Yes, no, I I, I can see that, but it's very difficult to tell what's going on. Uh, um. Absolutely. Well, well, um, I think next time you're you're in you're in town, we'll, we'll have to take you to a match and sit by you and explain the rules. As long as you keep me plied with beer while we're watching, I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh, I think that goes without saying. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Andrew, changing tact a little bit, I'm interested to know what advice you would give to your 10-year-old self. Oh, goodness, that is, um, that is a tough one. You know, at t 10, you don't care about anything, really. You no. don't see anything beyond... Um, you know the classroom and the playground really uh, you have no idea and I honestly don't think an adult can really give advice to a 10 year old 10 year old will never take it in or never understand plus of course the world will change we have no idea yeah. what kind of world they'll face in the future um, so I would say you have to keep it very general and very high level and I would say um, you know don't get too excited about the things that you think are going well or don't get too downhearted about the things that might go wrong and you know play it down the middle and something something else will turn up tomorrow you'll mm -hmm. you know take the rough with the smooth okay well, I think that's a uh, some good lessons we can we can live by there 
Andrew, you've you've had quite a varied career as you talked to us a little bit about at the start. What what um, what has been the biggest turning point in your career? Would you say? Um, I don't think there's one. I, I would pick out three, quite honestly, if if, if I'm allowed to. Um, sure. And um, the first is obviously not a turning point; it's a starting point. Um, you know, coming out of college and entering the professional world. Um, it's completely random what you end up doing. Yes. You're looking for a fairly decent paycheck, you're looking for something that's interesting and has prospects, and you're looking for something where you won't be mistreated or exploited. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, I interviewed with professional services company like Deloitte, I interviewed with you know, food products, I interviewed with shipping, okay. um, and it just turned out on the day it clicked best with an oil and gas company. And so they really, that random starting point kind of defined the rest of my career because, you know, I do define myself more by the sector, you know, the energy sector, particularly the oil and gas sector, than by any particular skill like being a lawyer or being an accountant or something yeah. like that. You know, I by I'm an oil and gas professional or an energy professional. Uh, And so, you know, I found that interesting and and have stuck with it ever since. Mm -hmm. And it's been endlessly fascinating. But that starting point, you know, could have been anything, quite honestly. Um, So quite important uh, that, you know, second second, um, turning point was clearly moving from my first job in the corporate world into a consulting company also you know based in continental Europe based in Paris Mm -hmm. so it brought that international uh, focus that we talked about but it also you know um, when you're doing short-term consulting projects you get exposed to a huge range of contact situations client requirements people you know it's like every year of your professional life it's like you're getting five years of experience okay and so it was it's really an accelerator for um you know becoming competent in both in subject matter knowledge in project management in relationships that type of Mm -hmm. thing Um, and so i think that was a really important uh, turning point and the third big turning point as you alluded to was moving from europe to the u.s um, you know close on 20 years ago again with no intention of staying long term but it's been great you know houston is a is a wonderful city to be in the energy business the oil and gas business your doors are open you can talk to people it's fabulous for networking and Mm -hmm. so you know i've really um i've really enjoyed every minute of it do you anticipate you might head back to live in europe or is that a i appreciate a family with a few different passports that's a really difficult question yeah I mean my my kids are, are growing up now I have two of them have, have left and I only have one left at home so they're I think they'll settle uh, in the US and so from that perspective you know I can it's easy to visit Europe mm. so I'll probably stay settled here just yep. uh, because the kids will be sure. be on this side of the pond well that makes sense I can understand that Andrew, is there any one thing that you would change about the business environment of today? Um, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, in, it, we had, uh, we've just been through a very big um, downturn in our sector from 2014 to 2017, essentially. And a lot of really great people, you know, got laid off, 
purely from yeah. a from a cost perspective and I, I really think that's a shame you know I think I would like companies not just in our sector but across the board not to see people as expendable you know we've got uh, this tremendous talent out there and you know some way of some way of um, you know keeping people occupied through the cycles and finding valuable things for them to do um, it's it's tremendously wasteful and demoralizing for the people involved mm -hmm. and so that that's you know I don't know what the answer is um, although I would say that I, I guess you know coming into a professional services firm like like the two of us work for that is a bit of a different culture mm -hmm. from a an investor owned corporate culture and and I'm not I'm not quite sure I can put my finger on it but that does seem to be more um accept accepting of you know uh, the 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 human value of the people that yes. work there yeah. in some way yeah. and I you know I don't think you would have that uh, you know, short-term need to you know, push people out of the door quite so much in this type of environment. So if there's a way of kind of generalizing a little bit of this type of culture more widely, that, I think that would be yeah. a good thing. Yeah, well, and I think that's that's a really positive element. I mean, I was chatting to somebody earlier today about um, Deloitte in the US leading the way in terms of paid maternity leave, which, yeah. you know, is very different in the states compared to Europe and uh, to a lesser extent Australia and and I mean th there are some elements along those lines that I think are certainly pretty appealing. Yes uh, no I think the uh, this this kind of organization you know people are clearly its value you know everything the the firm does is based on the abilities of its people but it does I, I think it's something to do with also the the partnership structure um, there's a huge effort to take care of people and make sure they are valued, that they feel valued, and their value is actually used to the mm. best of, you know, the, the best use possible. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm definitely the beneficiary of that. You know, I'm just coming up for the end of three months where I was um, supported to supported by the Australian firm to to come and be based in Chicago. Um, because of something that was really important to me personally to finalise my kids' citizenship. And, you know, most of the people I spoke to outside of the Deloitte world in the lead up to that, explaining to them what I was doing, uh, were were quite shocked that I work for an organisation where where that where that is allowed or permitted or encouraged to happen. Yes, we're very lucky, I think. Yeah. And I, I just I wish it could be more generalised. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean it's you know, it's my my seven and ten year olds have told me that um it's it's the trip of a lifetime so <laughs> oh great i bet they're having a lot of fun oh absolutely um yeah don't want to go home <laughs> andrew what might people not know about you um you know i they, i um don't talk a lot about this but i did have um, a detour in my career at one point tell with, me with uh which didn't last very long but it was in your part of the world actually um, I worked for one of Deloitte's um, competitors, another professional advisory firm, okay. who um, offered me um, a, a great position in New Zealand to oh. build, to help them build out their Asia Pacific energy okay. consulting practice. And um, 
So I spent, uh, you know, six months, a long period of six months <laughs> in New Zealand, loving the, loving the country, loving the place, the scenery, the experience, but finding out that the, the people that had hired me had in incredibly overestimated the market and their ability to bring in work, <laughs> and essentially there was very little to do. Oh dear. So um, I, headed, I, I headed back with my tail between my legs pretty soon. D didn't kill your love or um, thirst for professional services long term, though. Uh, no, but it took a while. That <laughs> was uh, that was a mid-career stuff thing. Okay, oh, I'm I'm interested, perhaps over a beer or a glass of wine, to to hear a little more about that. I yes. know you'd spent time. Yes, but wrong uh, turnings happen, and yeah. uh, you know you uh, you learn from them, and you yep. you go on and do something different. Yeah, so. well, and I, uh, would you say that that it informed your your later career or were there learnings from from that um no not particularly <laughs> just just what a beautiful place new zealand is and okay. uh and uh, i'm glad i did it you know yep but uh no no okay. real learnings uh, maybe, maybe no, no, I better not go there. No real learning. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, that, that segues superbly into my next right. question, which is whether you learn more from success or failure. Um, that's quite a binary question, isn't it? I, I, I think, you know, thinking about it, there's very little that you do that is an unqualified success or an unqualified failure. Normally it's it's in the mean around it's around the mean a bit overperforming a bit underperforming yeah i don't think there's been absolute successes or failures you know i try and learn from everything and do better next time um but context you know a lot of it's uh, about context and context change so i think um you accumulate experience, whether it works out well or doesn't, and uh, and, and just move on. So uh, it's a bit like the advice to the ten-year-old self. You know, don't don't um, overestimate uh, uh, success or uh, or failure, and uh, play it down the middle. Okay. A time from, uh, sorry, let me start that again. A aside from the time that you, that you briefly spent in the land of the great white cloud, are there any significant challenges that you've navigated in your career that you've drawn particular strength or insight from that you can share? Um, you know, I think professionally, um, I, I, I talked about the advantages of being exposed to a great diversity of, you know, consulting projects in different countries. It's also a huge challenge because, you know, getting it right every time is, is mm. not possible. Sure. Um, you, you know, and so the, 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 the time you have to spend in understanding the context and, uh, and uh, doing the best you can. Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, there are examples of, of, of big challenges. Um, you know, not, not all, not everything works out well. Uh, and it's not always your own fault. I remember one assignment in, uh, in West Africa. We had a series of, our, our firm had a series of uh, projects with the same client. Mm -hmm. And I happened to go in there to talk about uh, investment strategy in one part of the business. And a guy that was doing an IT project who'd left the week before had left them very 
unsatisfied. From your firm? For our firm, yes. And so I had a call from my boss in Europe saying, well, it's not your project, but you'd better stay there until they're happy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll send you some help. And so, uh, you know, uh, I think a a seven or 10 day visit turned out to be about 13 weeks. Wow, that's (laughs) that's quite a discrepancy. So, uh, you know, at that stage, you just have to... Know, take it, uh, take it as it comes. But uh, yeah, yeah, challenges like that. How did how did the thirteen weeks play out? Um, they, uh, you know, I did what I could. They actually sent somebody qualified out to help me, but I had to supervise and be the liaison mm-hmm. between that guy and and the management team, and you know, really make sure that they he was doing what they wanted. Okay. Uh, and so finally, we did turn it around, finally. So you became an IT expert in no, 13 weeks? No, no, but I, I managed to, I, I actually was, it was, a, it was um, something about inventories as far as I remember, but so I managed to be the translator of what they wanted into the, you know, the, the developer who was, okay. uh, who was doing the work, we brought in to do the work. And, and I guess even if not your area of expertise, becoming, becoming more experienced and having, having more experience working with, with senior clients, it's, it's that listening irrespective almost of whether it is your deep subject matter oh, expertise yeah. that, that is critical and learned. I, 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 absolutely. You know, that's, that's the, 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 the key thing and, mm. uh, you know, just giving them the impression that you care and that you're taking care of what they want. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that, essentially. And Although very, it was a challenge. It was a very hard thing to, to get done at the time. And happy client at the end of 13 weeks? Um, they kept on being a client. I'm not sure they were super happy, but they were happier and we okay. got more work. We kept on getting more work, so yes. Well, that's probably a fairly firm indication of yes. their <laughs> levels of satisfaction. Right, I hope so. I yeah, hope so. yeah. Andrew, what does Nirvana in your career look like? Um, Nirvana. Um, you know, I enjoy content. I enjoy. Um, I, I enjoy very much. Enjoy the role I'm in now, where I can work with a you know highly qualified and knowledgeable team in in developing you know content around. Uh, energy markets and it's a bit broader now I cover a a little bit wider scope but uh, I enjoy that and I enjoy um, you know mixing in what I think and know with what they think and know and making Mm -hmm. something you know bigger and better out of it you know however much I grapple personally with an issue or a problem or a piece of analysis and then I think I've got it nailed it it becomes you then you show it to your people you're working with yes and you so much more comes into it and and yeah it just blows me away every time so i love that uh, that <laughs> process of you know um working on real uh issues and 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 putting them in context and making sense of them collaboratively I think one of the real benefits of working within a team is the the shared expertise and the experience and the different and diverse perspectives that that people bring. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I always, um, you know, I, I never, I tr- I think I've learned never to totally trust what I my own judgment alone. So sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely, you're right. Always a richer result, I think. Now, a couple of fun questions now, Angie. Even more fun than the ones that have preceded them. What is your your favourite song and why? Oh, you know, the soundtrack of your life is so complicated. (laughs) And there are are thousands. I mean, whoever said you don't listen to new music after you're about 25 or 30 is, (laughs) is probably right. Although I have continued to add you know, jazz, particularly jazz and classical. But mm. I'll go for one song. It ages me a little bit, but uh, must have been around the late 80s or nine, early 90s, something like that. Yeah. There was a, an American singer called Bobby McFerrin. He had a song called Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> silly, silly little tune, but uh, yep. um, I actually quite enjoyed that. And it kind of it's uplifting. It is uplifting. I like that song. <laughs> Do you remember? You yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Oh, oh, bless you. You're my favourite person today. No, I, no, no. I could okay. sing that song. I, I won't do it now. But right. yeah, absolutely. I remember that song. <laughs> now, Andrew, if you could invite three guests to dinner and they don't have to be living, who would they be? Um, oh, again, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not into, um, again, the, the possibilities are endless, obviously, but I think I'd go to the, the entertainment world. Um, okay. Uh, just to have some fun and find out a little bit more about the, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. Yep. So, um, so who's on your list? I'd have, I'd go for, I think my, one of my favorite actresses who's been in many movies I like is uh, the English actress Emma Thompson. Oh have yeah, heard of her? she, I sure have, she's um, great. One of my favorite movies was The Remains of the Day, again, from about 20 years yep. ago or something uh-huh. like that. But she's fabulous in that and yeah. fabulous in, in many other roles. Um, the second one, you, I'm not sure how, how you'll like this, but an Australian national treasure, mm. or maybe, maybe not, <laughs> uh, Dame Edna. Oh, she's fabulous. <laughs> I love her. I love her. Um, yeah, so she's, I mean, in, in England, very well liked. Yes. I did not, not quite sure how she goes down in Australia, but absolutely hilariously funny oh she's fabulous when I was about well in my early teens I my my mum took us all to see her at the the arts center in Melbourne and she was waving her her gladiolis and throwing them out into the audience and I I, that was quite a few years ago I remember it so distinctly yeah no fabulous (laughs) um and then I'll go for a singer um again there could be many 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 um I'll go for an American this time so um, again, somebody with a lot of staying power. I've always enjoyed Stevie Wonder. Um, awesome. You know, he's been uh, you know all my whole life, I guess, because he was a child singer and then has kept on going. Like you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of old singers keeping going these days. Paul McCartney and yeah. folk, people like that, Mick Jagger, and yeah. uh, but uh, you know, I've always enjoyed that and uh, would love to. You know, must have great stories to tell. I, I bet they would, and and I I know notice you you've covered three continents there as well, so very very global of you. Oh okay, yeah, not intentionally. <laughs> okay. But, uh, oh well, but, uh, so yeah, just part of your makeup. <laughs> so Andrew, tell me about the best piece of business advice that you've ever received. Um, you know that's a, that's a very tough one. Um. I, I struggle with with that. I think um, you know, being open to 
always you know learn from other people Im involve as many people as you can in 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 understanding you know, what the issue is and what it means i think context matters mm -hmm. i'm i'm a bit suspicious of you know grand visions and um you know th th that type of thing i think um you know business decisions must be grounded in context and context change and so I think you've got to kind of best describe, you know, what the what the situation is before you get into a, into um, you know a, a decision or a direction. Um, and and you basically always try and you know uh, learn from you know history, what you've done in the past. You know, mm -hmm. just uh, it, it's a, it's it all accumulates. You know, it's yeah. Uh, um, somehow, somehow things make sense. <laughs> they almost always do. Andrew, you've talked to us through some of this already, but how did you get to where you are in terms of the leadership, the leadership position that you're in today? Oh gosh, um, I guess I just hung around. <laughs> I think there's a little more to <laughs> it than that. Uh, you know, you uh, a st staying power works wonders sometimes. <laughs> uh, um, you know, don't know when to give up, uh, <laughs> do something else. But uh, no, I, you know, you accumulate experience, you accumulate, um, um, you know, contacts and people. And, um, uh, you know, I'm lucky that I've been able to um, do things which are interesting um, along the way. And so it, whether it's leadership or not leadership, I'm, I'm not don't particularly care I don't not a not somebody who's driven to be a leader I just enjoy what I'm doing and mm -hmm. if it's with uh, if it's leading a team or working with a team I'm fine with that okay uh, I've also had you know, lots of times where I've been a solo uh, contributor I'm fine with that as well yeah. so um, I think it's just I think you know sticking around is a big part of it <laughs> I think you're grossly underestimating that, but but I think yes, variety is is excellent. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm putting words in your mouth <laughs> ever so slightly there. Um, and Andrew, just finally, do you have any career advice for our listeners out there? Um, people come to me quite often, you know, for for to talk about this, and what I always tell them, you know, don't don't try and make a very specific plan. You never know what's coming around the corner. Yeah. Luck and opportunity play a huge part. So the best you can do is be um, be ready. You know, have some options, have some skills, keep networking, uh, and when you get into a position, make it your own. I mean, uh, whenever somebody gets hired into a position, there's a kind of there's a there's a job description. There's mm -hmm. an expectation. Yeah. What actually happens is always more determined by what you can do than sure. what the job description says so you make it your own but uh, you, know, you know do it know your skills and do them to the best of your ability but also be you know curious the whole time mm. about what's going on around you and you know try and get outside your you know your own niche from time to time yeah I 
I think that's a really good point to close on. I mean, if I, I've been with a firm for nearly five years and if I think about the position description that, um, you know, that I signed up to back then, it it has most certainly evolved and particularly into some of the areas that I'm really passionate about and, and I think have strengths in. That's because you evolved it. Yes. Because you have those strengths and yes. passions and you made it that you made that your your job. And if you do it well, people like that. Mm. You yeah. know, that, that's what they want you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Andrew, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, it's great to catch up with you again on your now home turf in Houston. Thanks thanks very much for your time. Well, it's been a pleasure, and I promise to come to Australia uh, in, the, in the near future, I hope. Sounds good, and, and I, I promise that we'll take you to, to at least one AFL match then. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, it. Andrew.